Um, I don't know, writing songs for another record, doing, it's like, there's always like little shows and I think like, oh, we'll do the show here and we'll do the show here and we'll just, you know, and, and then it's like, well, that's the month, like it's over. No, I I'm know. I'm doing three shows, it's a month because they're all like different and I have to do different rehearsals or like, you know, I mean, it's just this one dumb thing, which you go like, oh, I'm going to sing one Dylan song, how hard that could that be? And then you listen to it and try to sing and you're like, oh, it could be really hard because that is exactly not what I do. I'm not like a jammer. I like the meter and the rhythm and the melody is different. Every goddamn line. It's but, impossible. But, because you're a perfectionist. Well, but I can't. It's like, but I also, it's not my skill set. I just can't. I just can't do it. Like to, you know what I mean? Like, you mean you, what, which, I don't know which how thing he can does you do? It. Like he, he has a bunch of words and then he like crams them in sort of in a way that well, works. Obviously. Yeah. But like, it's not. I mean, it's hard to, you can't learn a melody. You have to learn, like, each line is totally discreetly different. And But these are songs you, are, you know. I mean, you know these songs. You've yeah, known you these know songs your whole is. life. No, I'm the person who, like, knows. I know a song and in the way that, you know what I mean? Like, we all live in right. what is it? And then you well, realize you don't know it at all. Yeah, like David Lee Roth, who I think you're compared to very frequently. Yes. David Lee Roth always says that... Um, like he never really knew the words to "You Really Got Me." Like people thought he changed them because you know he says "You Really Got Me Now" instead of "You Really Got Me Going." Yeah, which changes the meter. Yeah, 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 yeah. Also, yeah. uh huh. But it, like he just never listened that closely. Yeah. I have a vague memory, like a vague idea of what the song, what its shape is, and then I go to sing it. And I'm like totally wrong, like completely, <laughs> completely. I was literally singing like there's one note, like the song that I'm singing. Mostly it's one note. I mean, there's one note that's. <laughs> You're saying Queen Jane approximately? Well, yeah, there's like one, you know, like the one, and I'm, and I like start off on the wrong note. Like that's how bad it is. I have to go like, okay, here's when you're playing the chord. This is the note. You might want to pluck it a few times before the song starts. So you hit the right note. Well, but don't you think, I mean, of all the people who would understand this, I mean, Dylan doesn't ever sing the melody. I know what's, but I think that's because he likes to fuck with people. Like, oh, see how much you take. Like, you still oh, think you're, still, you're still going to clap for this? All right. What about this? <laughs> you think it's still the subversive Bob Dylan? I do. I do. I think he really likes to toy with people. When I had uh, Paul Giamatti on here, he, he talked about, like, somebody's trying to find a new way to approach the acting thing. And we talked about Chronicles, which I'm sure you've read the Dylan book. Did you ever read it? I did not read it. But he talks about how Garcia, and I did say this on this other pod, but he talks about how Garcia taught him, was like, okay, I can see you're struggling with this whole having to sing it the same way. And he's like, Jerry taught me a whole new way to approach singing and melody and that's what enabled me to keep going on the never-ending tour well, for these you know, all these years good for him i mean i you know that's i mean I, I i that makes me feel better if i feel like he's getting some artistic pleasure out of it but like you said who knows who knows I mean, he really is a trickster jester of all time yeah. i mean he's the greatest jester yeah. of our lifetime you know he really is a, he's an actual merry prankster I mean, not, you know, like kind of I, I was born in, I was born in 66 and you were born a couple of years before me. And thank you for saying a couple. And no, but so do you remember like when that music in the sixties, cause I was the seventies is like, I turned, you know what I mean? Seventies yeah. is when it happened for me. Do you, do you remember that music? Like 66, 67, 68? Not real. I mean, I just kind of, I, I listened to, uh, you know, I mean, I grew up in Virginia. It wasn't sort of a real hotbed of FM radio or, you know, or not that I knew about. So it was whatever my brother brought into the house or like a babysitter or something. And none of that was real. You know, it was the Beatles. And so none of it was real. Um, I didn't really uh, know anybody listened to Dylan, really. I mean, I sort of would hear it around, but... Uh, so I never got super, super into Dylan. I mean, I, you know, did, of course, but like, I, I, I mean, I would say there's whole records that I haven't necessarily heard through. Still. Yeah. But you get, yeah. I'm, so, hey, this is the moment. I'm Brian Koppelman. Thanks for listening. My guest today is, um, when I made the very first list of people I wanted on this show, um, today's guest was like high up on the list uh, because Amy Mann, who is that guest, is not only... You know, you can make the argument, uh, our greatest living songwriter, but certainly one of the greatest uh, living songwriters and um, was also in my early 20s, very significant to me personally. And um, in certain ways, stuff that happened back then has had, uh, for me, like big uh, echoing effects in terms of choices that I ended up making. And so I just thought uh, from the beginning, it would be great to be able to ask you a bunch of questions, Amy, and and. Well, first of all, I want this intro to go on forever because the greatest living songwriter, what? That's, it's, you know, you're in the conversation on any list anyone makes. 
You know that. I don't know it, but I'm glad I'm glad to think it even momentarily. You know what? I'm glad I'm on your on on your top ten list. That's all yeah, I care about. Safely. Safely on the top ten list. I mean, since do you remember uh and so Amy was in just in case you um don't are like uh, under thirty, maybe you don't know. Amy was in a band called Till Tuesday. And they um had a gigantic hit when you were how old? The first hit record? Um twenty five. And then uh, on which the is al- old by today's standards, and you know the song no matter what voices carry. And then on their next album, um, you guys made a, a record, a, a song called "Coming Up Close" and uh, "Welcome." Everything sounds like "Welcome Home," yeah. and uh, which is to this day one of my my all time favorite uh, songs. And that's when I remember noticing, like, oh, there's this songwriter in this group. Well, uh, thank you. That's very sweet. When when you write a song like that, do you know, like, oh, I just pured one, like I did something. Different. And I just, special. I, you know, I, I think that that was, um, you know, till till Tuesday, we were like a very post new wavy or new wavy kind of kind of semi dance. I can't even call us dance, but I mean, we used to listen to to R and B, and we thought, you know, that we thought that was one of our influences. Although I'm sure nobody could tell because um, it was fairly stiff. But uh, you know, we we were pretty pretty new wavy, and then I think for the for the the second till Tuesday record, I, I just started writing songs. I'd been writing songs on bass, and then I started writing songs on acoustic guitar, and and I think that's really more my my roots because that's more the stuff I listen to, you know, kind of Neil Youngy, uh, Beatlesy, you know, it's more more guitar based with a real narrative. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I know because um, I remember you telling me the story of what that song was oh about. Oh my god. Um, and I know it was about a, I won't say the name. I think you've probably said by now publicly. Who I don't think so. About. Okay. Then we yeah. won't. Yeah. I still remember we'll keep though. It, we'll keep it uh, to ourselves. But I do know that you took a drive with somebody who was, um, a musician and, yeah. and then wrote this song, which encapsulated not only the feeling of taking a long winding drive with somebody that you might feel really strong emotions for, for a fleeting instant, yeah. but that, that. Uh, you were able to capture that thing where even in the moment, as you're trying to be present, there's this uh, bittersweet, dripping sense of nostalgia. Yeah. And, and that's, oh, that's funny. It's like, it never occurs to me, but that's totally it, right? I mean, it is super, it is super nostalgic, you know, like this one, like we took this route, like you're already looking back on it as if it was 20 years ago. Yeah. yeah. As you're going, you yeah. are. And um, you can tell I've thought about this for a while. And, and, uh, but it was such a huge leap from the record before. And to me, um, as a 21 year old, or I was in, I was in 20, I was in college when that record came out. Um, I remember thinking, I can't wait to see what the woman who wrote these, this song, like, how did this happen? And so that's like, cause what I'm asking is, did you, did you know that you would kind of crack something different open as an artist or was it just like, oh, that's just another song? I thought it was good. I mean, I did. I thought it, I thought it was pretty, you know, I thought it was like a pretty song and, uh, yeah, I mean, I still think it's okay. Like, I, I don't, you know, my standards are, you know, I try to keep revising my standards upwards. You know, like, lyrically, there's probably stuff I would change or revise or tighten up. But, yeah, I mean, it was the best, it was like the best I could do with what I had. And and I tried, you know, like, I tried to, to write up to the standards I had at the time, you know, within the scope of my abilities, you know, which is all you can really ask. I know, that's a pretty good, though, if that's the standard, to do the absolute best you can with your the abilities that you currently have. Like that's not a standard you ever really have to raise as long as you keep trying to somehow make your own like your instrument yeah. better. Yeah, yeah. I just try to keep bumping it up. I mean, for for instance, now I, you know, I really make an effort to have rhymes be exact and not, uh, you know, even to the extent of plurals. If it's you know, like I don't stick that s on, you know. But it's it really it's. I mean, it's hard. You know, like it's hard, and sometimes you you try to do it and you just can't make it work and i you know but i think i'm better at that now because i think my brain just sort of does some of the some of that work on its you know sub subconsciously like i think it does some of its work because i've just programmed it so for so long so you feel like you're even more of a formalist even though yeah. starting with your first solo album i mean you and listen i remember being at your house and you were listening to a lot of zombies records and yeah. you were really starting to think when you're before you made whatever, and you were really starting to think about being a, in a way like a kind of a formalist. Yeah. What, I don't know what, that would mean. I don't know what that means, but I like it. I'm nodding. I'm nodding because yeah, I, I mean, like it, the sound of it. It means, well, you know, not, I like form. I mean, I do. I like form and structure. I'm a big belief in form and structure. I've been thinking about this a lot in the last few years. I think structure is, uh, I think structure is really important, you know, and I think I, I, I did some shows with the poet Billy Collins and he was, he talks about this a lot. 
And he, he said something that really got me, which was, you know, like people come for the form, you know, when you're just starting out, they will come for the form. They don't care what you have to say because they don't know who you are. So they come for the form. And if you can master the form, they will stay. And then you will eventually, of course, you'll have things to say. Like, of course, you'll have your own personal voice because it's you doing it. But, but to master the, the, the form is the key. Yeah, that's really, I mean, that's really interesting. I mean, do you think people, but, but if you think about, um, the songs of yours that like today I told a couple of people I'm working with, Oh, uh, I'm going to talk to Amy Mann this afternoon. And they immediately just started talking about what their favorite songs of yours are. And, you know, as you know, the people who care about your music really care about it and take ownership over it. But I, I wonder, don't, don't you think that the, the fact that you, yes, you had, I think from an early point had this sort of formal approach, but the confessional personal nature of what you talk about did also say the, the feeling one got listening was you were telling really autobiographical stories. Yeah. I mean, with, you know, it changed, uh, it's changed a couple times, Yeah, but don't you think that was a distinguishing factor? The first few albums? I don't know. It's funny. I think I, well, I think when I first started out, I thought, well, this, this is what songs are like, aren't, is like, aren't, aren't, aren't you supposed to talk about, you know, like, isn't it supposed to all be about, you know, your heartbreaky thoughts and sad things like, it's, <laughs> I don't know. Like I probably was corrupted by that a little bit. The idea that like it, you know, to be sad was to be serious. Having said that, uh, I don't think I'm capable of writing a, a, just an uncomplicatedly happy song because it's just not, it doesn't hold my interest. You know, major chords don't hold my interest. I can barely play a five chord. I can't, I, I have conversations with friends who are like, you really don't like the five chord. Right. And so I'm, you know, like I'm trying to incorporate it, but it's it's hard because it's just so majory sounding. No, and even a song like 50 Years After the Fair, which is like this upbeat, catchy melody is just all about death. Yeah, 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 right. <laughs> right. And how you look to the you, you know, you, this vision of the future, which yeah, the can, can't be mat, matched up, you know, you can't live up to. Yeah, no, it's all about the past <laughs> looking forward and everything being a disappointment. And that's probably yeah. the most jaunty, yeah. like Charmer, yeah. or like Charmer is another jaunty song about a sociopath. Yeah, I mean, like, so yes, you have absolutely like this intersection of, um, when, even when you have a do play sort of like, you know, chords or allow a, mel, uh, a rhythmic structure that is sort of upbeat, you do under, I mean, you often yeah. undercut it because that's well, it goes the world al- of you. It goes along with that to me. I mean, I do, you know, because they, I, the two things come together. So I don't, you know, it's not deliberate. Like I, I hear a thing and it, I mean, how I write a song is I have a, have music that I'm working on. I have a chord progression. Then I start to have a melody. And to me that I listen to it and I go, what does this sound like? And then what's a story that goes with what this sounds like? So it always starts with the music or almost yeah, always? Yeah, almost always. Almost always. Do you journal or do anything to sort of... I used to. I don't, I don't anymore. I, it all starts with a song. It pretty much all starts with a song. So you don't consciously walk around like, I want to write about this or I'm thinking about this or I better get yeah. this thing out. I, I used to do that. I used to keep notebooks full of titles and things that I thought of and... But I think, you know, in the early days of Till Tuesday, I built songs more around titles and, you know, and now it's, I, I, you know, I listen to, I listen to the music. It comes, you know, it comes pretty organically. You know, what is the, what is, what does it sound like the dynamic is or the vibe is? And then what's my, I mean, it's like a raw shock test, you know, it's like, and then what's the story? What's the narrative that I'm going to write around this vibe? So, yeah, I mean, I guess even if it's jaunty, it's like... Inside my head, jaunty equals disappoint, future disappointment. <laughs> yeah, it can end up. <laughs> yeah. No, or like, I mean, um, yeah, throughout even like a, uh, I was going to say, but it's not like when you come up with a beautiful, sad melody, um, you then uh, flip that and just make it <laughs> upbeat and happy either. No, but sometimes, but I do have things that are, I, I have words that to me, I think are, you know, when it's so sort of true or over the top that it's because that it's funny. Like I will do, will think it's funny, and I'm sure that doesn't. I'm sure that doesn't. No, come and on the album, all. the both, which is your band with Ted, yeah. I think it's different. In yeah. A way. Um, which we'll get to, but I just want to go back a little bit um, biographically. So you were in this band, and then, and the band had two hit records, and then your third album you made. And I'm, I didn't, I'm doing this all from memory, so if I'm uh, wrong, just correct me. But the You're third, probably more accurate the, than The me. third album you made, which I always felt should have been like a solo album, was the album with Jay for Jules on it, right? Or not? I think so. And right? that album wasn't... Maybe? Yeah, I think wasn't so. Wasn't as... And the other end of the telescope. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And then that album wasn't quite as commercially successful. No, that was totally unsupported. That that was a very a uh, lot of shifts in the record company. New A and R guy, new new guy came in and immediately said, you know, we don't like what you're doing. We think you should write with other people. You know, like hit doctory people, and uh, you know, like we think you should make a new record. I'm like, dude, you you just you put this record out one month ago. Like, how do you think this is gonna? How do you think it's going to change? I mean, it's not going to change. I'm not changing. And I was so naive. I was like, oh, I, sure, I like to write with other people. I wrote this song with Elvis Costello on the last record. I'm like, yeah. uh, no, that's not what we're talking about. Well, yeah, I'm wondering how you got those voices. Because, I mean, I, I, that's when I met you right after that album. And, um, and I remember you told me that. And you also told me that on the first tour, you had people telling you uh, to swing your arms wildly when you played guitar so that the people in the back would... Yeah, I, you know, yeah. I mean, you'd get that kind of stuff. Somebody actually said, "I want you to suck the windscreen right off that microphone." I'm like, you're disgusting. That's so the great. Most disgusting thing you could say to somebody. Yeah, that I was. Which is you what know, you're doing around. now here on this. It's weird. Yeah, you haven't been able to break the habit somehow. I, I finally learned. Yeah, after all these years. But uh, at the time, you were so young. Like, were you able? How did you begin the process of discounting all that bullshit? Well, I just couldn't do it. I mean, I, I didn't listen to it because I couldn't do it. I don't, I don't, even want, I don't want to um, imply that I was some kind of uh, maverick who was like, you know, screw you, man. I got my own stuff. I was just like, I don't, I'm not capable of that. And I, you know, and it was very conflicting because, you know, I mean, the, being on a record company, it's a very paternalistic kind of experience. You know, it's like record company dad. And there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of coercion and pressure and kind of implication that you're being really difficult and, uh, you know, that your career is in terrible jeopardy because you're not, you know, you're not doing, I don't know, like showing up at some convention or like whatever they want you to do. And, um, and it was very conflicting to me because I didn't know how to say no to people, but it's, but at the same time, I could, you know, there's just things I can't do. I mean, I'm not that kind of performer. I've never been, it's not going to happen. I, and, you know, I mean, you can see like back then, especially they, I think people, you know, guys at record was all guys, you know, I mean, they couldn't, they didn't even know how to think of a woman as a, as anything, but like a sexy thing. Sure. You know, like, I but don't yeah, even get, you... I don't even get what you're doing. Like, when you're playing a bass, like, I don't even get that, you know, they didn't get it. Well, no, but so, okay. So this does uh, bring us right to me and you because, um, you know, coercion, pressure, these kind of record company yeah. people. And then um, I, I was an A&R person. Yeah. I was one of those people. And I was a kid. And um, But you weren't like that. No, I tried. I mean, unless I overlooked something. No, I mean, I felt like I felt like we, we would have been a really good team. Yeah, well, we tried. I mean, the, tried. I mean you're we saying tried. all these men, you're, you know, you had a nickname for me. <laughs> Record boy. Yeah. You, Which I, I only remember because you've reminded me of it like a hundred times. Well, you yeah. do remember though. It's terrible. What an awful thing to say. I loved it. I hope it was I said with affection because it just seems really mean. And I'm like, I can't imagine being that mean. And I knew that I liked you. So I don't, I'm sure it wasn't. No, no. We, but I remember, um, no, it didn't. I wasn't until I was so young to be in that job. And so, um, no, I took it as you meant it, which was uh, with quotes and uh, affection, but also with... Um, because I remember, you know, you had a sense, you were able to express even then what it felt like to be on these record companies and how bad it was. Yeah. And that you didn't, that this, this idea, because people now think the record business was great back then because there was no, no record business. Yeah. So I want to ask you about, I mean, you don't miss those days of the music no, business. No, that was terrible. It was terrible. Because it was this like, not only uh, patriarchy, but the musicians in my mind were really treated often like chattel. Yeah, it was tough. And there was only one way, you know, I mean, the record company either supported and promoted your record or nobody ever heard of you, uh, except maybe on a local, you know, like on a local live. And having said that, you know, uh, in Boston, I mean, I'm, you know, when Till Tuesday first started, I mean, we we supported ourselves, not very well, but, but uh, you know, I mean, we could pay our rent just playing around the New England area. And that's really saying something. You know, I mean, we played a lot of gigs. Well, yeah, that was the first thing I came and I saw you play um, because yeah. I, I remember you were without a record deal. And yeah. um, I came to Boston and I went to a gig uh, and it was a sold out show uh, at a club and then went over and John was there and listened to a bunch of songs. Uh, I remember the first tape had 50 years uh, after the fair was the first song on it. And but what I remember and, you know, um, I talk a lot 
about gatekeepers and about how artists have to be self-determining, mm-hmm. which you were trying to do. And I, I, I remember the part of the record boy thing or why it's resonant for me and why I wanted to talk to you about this is like, uh, I was naive like a boy in that I believed that I could sign you to this record company yeah. and it could be different. Like I thought, and so I remember promising yeah. you that it would be different and then it wasn't. And I, well, it could felt, have been different except for, uh, the president of the record company who I still don't know, uh, what his deal was. Well, he became like, obviously yeah. he's one of the most, we're not, I mean, I'm not going to slam him now. Yeah, yeah, no. Oh, we, we could talk about this privately. I, no, I mean, I'm just I mean, curious no, I'm to say at the time, what what happened was I remember um, it's it is one of the signal things that made me know like I could add the five things up that made me know I had to leave doing mm. that kind of job and one of them was the day you sent me I mean I'm sure some of this I remember more clearly because I was like younger and this was already your fourth album you were making but for me mm-hmm. it was like so crucial you know um, I remember getting Fourth of July which is you know I mean that song and I've had it are in my if I had to take 25 songs with me to an island, like I would take both those songs with me. And I remember uh, the song was so short and it didn't have a bridge. Yeah. And I remember trying to explain to people, but even trying to process myself, like, how am I going to tell people this is great? Yeah. Like they're not going to know it's great. And I can't imagine how frustrating it was for you because I remember having to call you. I remember I was in a car and I, I called you and I was like, could you put a bridge in the song? And you yeah. were like, but the song's done. Yeah. I couldn't understand it as a 21-year-old. Well, it's really funny because I play that song now and I and think... And you wish there was a fucking bridge. I don't, you know, or there's a song, the song um, You Can Make a Killing, which it was the same kind of thing, you know, and it's just like a, you know, just verse, verse, verse. And I don't, I think I could probably write a bridge now. I mean, I just wrote a song that was like, I was like, this is done. And they thought, no, it, like I played it live and I'm like, no, it, it does need a bridge. But I just couldn't do I couldn't do it I you know I mean it was done because that I was like that was the end of my the inspiration wore off and that was over you know it was a dream I woke up from the dream and the dream was over you know what I mean I but do. I think I could do it now I can it's Is like I could better? keep it going yeah I, I yeah I think it is why um I can't you know and I can't speak to to I I, I would have to play fourth of July like through right now and think about it but i do think about this for you can make a killing because it's because it is similar and and i i play it now and i go i could write a bridge and i and it would be the right bridge it would be the right bridge because i can get back in but back then i couldn't get back in once i got out of the stream it was over you know what i mean yes and it was so i i remember that you had half the album done including i've had it i think i mean no not i've had it because that was in between i so you had five songs done when the record company president decided to pull the plug on the thing. Well, gee, I don't even know if you know this. I know this. you and Patrick Pay. I, yes, I remember that. I don't know if you know this, but we, I, they sent me the contract and I signed the contract and sent it back for them to sign. They sent me the contract. We had an entire deal done. We had an right. entire, remember, it yes. was way past demo. It was no, way past demo. No, because we demos. were making, no, no, that's what I'm saying. I remember, like, I, in my mind, oh, I signed you to the deal. Right. Like, I signed you to the record company. Yeah. And I mean, I'm, it was a huge, it was like an inch thick deal. because no, here's what I It was I'm, not like a handshake and then no. like, well, we've changed your mind. This is why I've been haunted yeah. by it for over 20 years. Yeah. Because it's, it was a time when I, it, it's how I realized, like, I could never be on that side of the thing. Like, it took me yeah. a couple more years to get out of it. But it was like, um... I couldn't be honorable because I told you that it was going to be different. Right, right, right. And that we were, you were going to get to, my whole thing was like, right. um, this woman is the best songwriter. We have to let her make the album she wants to make. And um, I told you, and that's okay if I got lied to, but I then told you. Right. And you believed me because I, I'm, like, I didn't mean it, but then I wasn't able to like deliver that for yeah, you. Yeah, but it's not your, you know, but you. <laughs> no, that was, no, so I'm sorry. But, I really have always felt bad about it. And wanted to tell you know no i did but you're at the mercy of uh, prevailing winds of craziness no and uh yes. i'm not gonna say who who might be responsible no, for this a really valuable lesson because but i mean then, i knew what i knew what i knew what that was that was, i knew that wasn't you and i knew there wasn't anything you could do about no, you were it gracious. and i, I, I knew you. what it was yes but i did feel like we had this uh you know i remember being in the recording studio in connecticut and you and i driving back to new york together and i dropped you off from uh at to meet Michael. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Who you then married, like, yeah. on for like your first 20 date. 20 years later. Like or, for like yeah, your yeah. first date with him though, on the yeah. west side of Manhattan. Yeah. 
Um, I mean, it wasn't a date, but it was like we were just hanging out. We were just buddies. But know, you we, were pretty nice. Well, I had a big crush on him. You were home. I mean, you were really yeah. excited about he seeing was, him. He was like, no. You know, he's like Mr. No, which is, which is my nickname for him. <laughs> That's still, perfect. Because he is Mr. No. But, yeah. um, but I, I remember like that drive thinking to myself, like, this is everything I'd wanted to do as somebody helping creative people. Like, she's making exactly the album she wants to make with the people she wants to collaborate with. And yeah. I'm close enough with this artist that like I'm driving her and we're going together to New York and I'm going to, and then when then they didn't let you make the, they weren't going to let you, basically they weren't going to let you make the album you want right. to make after we promised it. And and that was the album. And I remember, I, I remember the one thing I remember saying to you, you have to make this record as Amy Mann and you still weren't ready to, you said yeah. it until Tuesday. Yeah. Well, I was still working with Michael Hausman, who's now man, you know, my manager. Um, and so, yeah, you know, and I was loyal. We were like a team. Hey, are you struggling to get sleep? If so, the fine people at Mattress Firm want to help. Mattress Firm, a.k.a. America's Neighborhood Mattress Store, can help you stretch your budget a little further when you're looking for ways to improve your sleep. These are mattress experts here, people, and they're not just mattress experts. They can straight up help you build your bed from headboards to adjustable bases to sheets. They even have bedroom decor. They've got you covered, literally and figuratively. Plus, go to mattressfirm.com and save 10% with the code PODCAST10 through June 5th. Mattress Firm offers a 120-night sleep trial to ensure perfection and a 120-night low-price guarantee so you know you paid the perfect price. Again, go to mattressfirm.com to learn how your sleeping could be tremendously improved. Um, but when that then fell apart and you had made at more than half the album by that time or certainly half of it. And then suddenly the record, they didn't pay for your record and it yeah. was gone. I mean, I left the company very soon after cause I was like, I can't wow. do this, but you then had a couple of years where, right. Tell what happened. So you, you make this album where you start to make it and this record company that had promised they were going to do it. Didn't do it because um, I turned out to be full of shit. And then what, um, what happened? I mean, part of it led to like I've had it, which is one of the great songs ever. But what what happened during that period of time? I think there was some. I say it was this like the working with Tony Berg. Was that was that your idea? Or was that their, it was what I, their no, idea? Was, that was an idea that was on the table. Okay, yeah, to but work John with and you. But then I to no, work with I the producer. Allowed, you, you know, John and yeah. you. They we wanted going, you to Me just, and John Bryan were going like gangbusters. That's what I'm saying. You yeah. and John were making the out. You had made the five songs, fifty those yeah. first five. And yes, they wanted you to work with somebody else. Oh, right, 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 right. And then that, I had to, I'm sure I had to, yeah. I knew how great the stuff was yeah. and I was like telling you, but then yeah, it became like you have to go do something else Yeah. and you didn't want to do something else. No. So how did you make a stand? We we didn't. I mean, I, I recorded like five songs with 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 Tony, and honestly, like t John and I were on such a roll. In retrospect, he and I should have just kept going, because we were doing. It was like it was happening. You know, it was happening. I think it would have been a better record if we kept going because the tone kind of changed a little bit, and we really got derailed. Um, vibe wise, we really got derailed. So what happened is, my manager at the time was this guy Patrick Rains, and he said. This record is fantastic. I am going to pay for it and and finance the whole thing, and we are just going to sit tight and and uh, wait to uh, to be um, released from the record contract because it was clear that Epic was like not remotely interested in in this kind of. Brit, Brit pop influence, you know, zomb zombies and birds influence. Because you went from the record company we were at, Giant. To yeah. Epic. Well, I was still on, but part of my part of the deal with, you know, Epic and Giant had worked out a deal where they were going to get overrides and you know some points and whatever. But once Giant backed out, I was kind of still stuck with Epic. Right. And there wasn't another uh, label immediately on the scene to, to buy us out, and so we just wait, we waited, and it and it took three years. It took three years. That's when I'm. Yeah. I, I you know people talk about that three year period of Springsteen. I mean, they made a documentary about how. He waited out that lawsuit between Born to Run and Darkness. Wow, is that right? I don't even know that. Yeah. Uh, wow. Yeah, he had to wait out three three years. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I mean they didn't want. You know, they said they didn't. It's, it's a, this is a This was a classic thing. You know, one of my classic complaints about record companies 
they were like, well, we don't, you know, we don't like what you're doing. It's not commercial enough. We don't think you could ever have a hit. And then we go like, well, why don't you release me? Like, oh no, because you might have a hit somewhere else. Well, why if so? You think I? You think I'm in danger of having a hit? So why aren't you? All right, never mind. I'm just gonna go hang myself now because everything's crazy. Right. So what the fuck did it feel like then? Like it was because, crazy. Yeah. What did you feel like? Did you know you were made? Like, did you realize you had made this thing that was such a seminal? album well god bless you for saying it's similar i certainly didn't no, think but it it's not just my opinion I mean, come on it's not just my I thought opinion it was really good and i thought john and i were a great team and he's obviously incredibly talented but i mean i just thought the two of us together really you know really got got on like a house on fire and and it was like a perfect combination of like the stuff that I was writing at the time and music we were listening to at the time and the music that he was into playing and his skill set. Like it really just, you know, it fit perfectly. Yeah. So I did think that was a really great record. I did think it was a great record. I mean, obviously, in retrospect, I would have written some maybe bridges or uh, put some different <laughs> chord changes and, and cleaned up some words. But, you know, whatever. You wouldn't change the glockenspiel, though. No, no. I would have kept tons of glockenspiel. You know, got to have the Glock. Got to have the Glock on that record. Yeah. But the Born to Run Glock. That's the best thing ever. And I'm, that's how I realized now, like I was in the studio and John pointed that out to me when he did it. So actually I've had it was recorded in the first batch of songs. Yeah. Um, but you spent those three years, like, did it feel like purgatory to you? Or did you know you'd get, did you consider yeah. compromising? How did you, no, because like, what, in this, how did you not do? compromise? Where is the, where's the compromise? I mean, like how... You know, the where where's the <laughs> I don't even know what it sounds like, like between, you know, Fourth of July and uh, and like a heart record, you know, and I mean, God bless heart. But like, you know, when a heart, no, you're not rip- you mean the heart records that were written I mean, that's by really, yeah. really commercial, you know, it was like really, really commercial. It just wasn't my thing. You you're know, not talking I mean, about Barracuda heart. You're talking about these no, dreams no. heart, yeah. like the, the heart yeah. that was written by songwriting. Yeah, factories. it's like, yeah, it's so, you know, song songwriting doctors. And I mean, I, it's, I was like, well, if I do say so myself, I think I'm a pretty good songwriter on my own. So I, you know, certainly didn't think I needed help, and I didn't want to be more quote commercial in that way. That wasn't me, and it was not my thing. And I, I don't, you know, it was not what I was shooting for. And also, by the way, like I, I also did believe that I could sell records if you know promoted in the inappropriate way. And there were people around me that were selling, you know, like Tracy Chapman, huge. Uh, and I would so like I would have these conversations. I would go, "What about Tracy Chapman? Well, that's a totally different story because of X, Y, and Z." Okay, what about uh, Ten right. Thousand no, Maniacs? I'm... Well, that's really that, that's a completely different circumstance because of this. I'm like, well, you know, then everything's a different goddamn circumstance. Everything is. And you were able to tell. So I'm saying you had the presence of mind to tell yourself that. Then, to well, say I like, yeah. I know this is. I know that I can, I have to wait this out because like. I can't compromise my creative vision. And I know that I will be able to like, did you keep touring and playing? Did you know you had people? Yeah. Before you released that album. We kept touring. We kept touring. I think John and I did. I think John and I did a lot of touring or we did some touring. Yeah. I'm pretty sure we kept, we kept playing, playing live. And you didn't allow yourself to get sort of, did you keep writing songs? Like we did. Yeah. I kept writing songs. I wrote a lot of songs with him. Because three year people can't understand that because of the way the world works now. When you compare, like some people yeah. really are um, frustrated about the state of the music business now. And it is a, there is no music business. Well, it's really. weird. Yeah. It's just weird in a different way. But back then you were, um, you were signed to these personal services contracts that were like seven years long and you couldn't. Couldn't get out. You couldn't have released that thing for free if you wanted no, to. No, 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 no. I couldn't go to another record. I couldn't have released it for free. I couldn't have sold it out of the back of a van. Right. There's not. They. Mm-mm. You were. You were really in a box, and most people would have found a way. I think to, like, would have sort of given in and been like, "Fine. What do you want me to sing?" Well, I'll tell you, Brian. Here's the thing. There's no. There's no. I mean, that's. I'm not even going to say maybe because this is not my thing. Because I don't care about money that much. But like, but. It's one thing to make that deal if they're saying, look, we're going to give you a bunch of money. Just do this thing. Just sing this dumb song. Sing this dumb song. We'll write you a check. Nobody's writing a check. It's not like you're, it's not like they're giving you anything. So all you're getting is the loss of the one thing that's fun for you, which is to write and record your own music. So I, it's like, what are you not offering anything? Like I, I, that's what always like, 
blew right. my mind. It's not like they're saying like, we're going to give you this giant advance. All you got to do, lady, is, uh, is sing this one dumb song. Come on. Well, but nobody, nobody made that deal. Right. It was like, you can be as poor as you are now and sing this gross song that you don't want to sing. sing. So I'm like, why why would I choose that? There's no, it wasn't a guarantee. It wasn't like they said, you know, I think you're supposed to, you were expected to, and a lot of people do this, sign off on the goddamn dream. You know, like there's the dream. Don't you want to be a star? I mean, I actually had people say that to me. I'm like, no, A, no, but B, like you can't, you're not guaranteeing that. Oh my God, it's so dumb. No, and of course, nobody could guarantee that. But most people, the huge, enormous majority of people aren't able to see that stuff. Clearly, because, I mean, the thing is, for you, the songwriting was the thing. Well, it's the the fun part. You know, like, yeah, it's the fun, good part. You know, it's, what's the, the... Fun part is not having some weirdo, you know, like follow you home from the, you know, from the uh, the corner store or something, and go like, oh, big fan. Do you mind if I sit on your stoop for a while? I mean, that's not fun. That's just weird. Right. The fun part is writing and making these records yeah. that you want to make, and then hoping that they connect with people. Yeah, and it's great to make a living and not to have to worry about, uh, you know, how, how other sources of income. I mean, that's. That's a beautiful thing, but that's because it all leads back to being able to write and make, you know, record music. Do you still love writing songs as well, much? That's the, that is the best thing. That's the best thing. And this is the most fun. And I love writing with other people too, you know, I mean, not like obviously with Ted, because it's just so much, I love getting in somebody else's head and seeing what their ideas are and then figuring out how to solve this puzzle of like these two disparate elements, putting it's them together. It's so funny now at the place you are now as like as a, a songwriter and kind of the control and authority you have, it would be awesome to see what you would write with Desmond Child. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, if you yeah, and yeah. Desmond got in a room, I, I mean, if you For and sure. Desmond got in a room together, you would actually write like yeah. some amazingly Well, I mean, great I love that songs. Max Martin. I mean, I think right. it's, you know, like that's some, that's some happening. That's some happening Well, yeah, stuff. like I don't, I think, I mean, I don't know how you feel about it, but I mean, I think Taylor Swift's pretty great songwriter for what you know the thing because I, I have a 15 year old daughter yeah and i see that she the the stuff that she's able to express has absolutely like gotten my daughter through oh God. really God difficult bless her. that's awesome times yeah well i think she's supernatural i you know i mean i don't even know what to say about taylor swift like i you know having been in the business i don't even know how anybody i mean it's really hard like to be a star at that level is the hardest job and I don't understand how she could do it and be so, be so young she's and have, brilliant person. <laughs> have so much yes she's so sanguine I mean I don't and intelligent I, I really don't even know even if you said like well there's a giant team of people I'm like I don't even care like I don't care a team I don't still with the team like you're still doing well, it well she also I mean it's hours. funny yes people talk about the Max Martin thing and like that that guy who wrote those terrible articles about her. And she wrote that song mean about, um, mm. who, you know, that guy writes a newsletter, um, that a lot of people who are in music. No, read. I don't know that. I don't know this. I'm not that, I, I'm not, but I'm the, not as big of a Taylor Swift fan as you are. No, I understand. No, just, well, uh, you know, I don't get around, you know, I don't so, get out, but her first couple albums, she wrote all the songs herself. So like uh-huh. she did it all herself in the beginning. Yeah. I don't so even then, necessarily yeah. mean the songwriting team. Oh, I mean, yeah, like, I mean, you know, the stylists and the managers and stuff like even with teams of people like that, it's still impossible. Yeah, really hard. No, it is the hardest, and it is not a job I wanted. So is it? It's not. So that that idea, that kind of superstardom. Oh my god, it's so hard. I don't. It's and it's awful. I don't know. Being famous is awful. I don't know how people. First of all, they lust after it, which is crazy. You might as well lust at, lust after being in solitary confinement. It's the craziest thing. I don't know how people do it. I mean, hats off to be super famous and, and handle it. I am. I know I'm but the only person on the face of the earth you, who thinks this. But you must get recognized every day of your life. I get recognized a little bit, and it's and it's a sweet way. But like, if there's crowds of people following you, that's just so crazy. So you think your level of fame? But no, I mean, you don't just sometimes get right. I mean, you know, you're a big. It's, I mean, you do know that you're a big deal to people. I'm a big deal to you, apparently. But right. I think you're the. I that's think you're fine. one of the one of the few. You didn't used to be this full of shit. <laughs> um, but come on, okay. man! I've always been full of shit. <laughs> Not like Give this. Give us credit. Because uh, you know, people come pop, here. You're here, and they come popping in, and actors in my show are all like, "Oh my god, Amy Mann's going to be here." But but for you, this is a manageable. Like you, yeah. this is where you. Are. 
you know, you come to New York, you can play a place where a lot of people come and see you, but it's the right amount for you. Yeah. It's what you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you, It's manageable. And you don't want... Dude, I can't even tell you. I, I'm not trying to be humble. or and It's just, it's, you know, until Tuesday, we were briefly, when we had, you know, when the voice carry was a big video and we were very recognizable. And it's just, it's like, I can't handle it. I can't handle it. It's weird. Yeah. Because yeah. it's not, you don't feel, you can't like just assume like, oh, they're looking at me because I'm fabulous. Like, who does that? You go like, oh my God, that guy's staring at me. It's really freaking me out. You have a primate response sure. to being... Uh, stared at it's predatory it feels it's very scary so you still do that like if someone's like hey amy you still for a second think oh they must know i must know that person why don't i know them oh yes it's terrible i'm because you I can't, can't tell do i know this person or oh i can't i'm terrible with faces and i'm terrible with names i have a terrible memory and i'm always freaked out so like there's no chance I'm, <laughs> no chance i'm gonna remember any anybody that i ever see That's... it's always out of context I, I, th- I actually think like if I saw my, like if my husband came in this room, I would go like, oh, that's the guy who looks like my husband. Like I would not necessarily. Face, do you think you have face aphasia? I have a little, I have some of it. You do? Yeah, I definitely have some of it. I'm terrible. I, people all look the same to me. Have you, uh, do you know the songwriter Jason Isbell? Hmm. Oh, well, oh yeah. Not a little bit. Yeah. I know who he is. He has this line that I think you'll think is just so true in his new song, uh, which is called 24 Frames. He just says, uh, you thought God was an architect. Now, you know, he's sitting in a black car ready to go. You made some new friends after the show, but you'll forget their names in 24 frames. Oh my God. That's fantastic. He's the best. He's the, wow. he's the best guy like doing this. Wow. You, you, know, you, you got to know his stuff. He's okay. a great songwriter. That's fantastic. Yeah. Oh my God. They gave me chills. That was so good. Yeah. Right. That's yeah. Really he's good. so great. My mission in the last few years has been wow. to tell people about right, it, but good. now he's a big, good. now it's all happening. Your songs for a long time were so autobiographical what allowed you do you think to be that that open like to make the decision that's not just that oh i thought this we were supposed to do i mean you're a craftsperson and you were consciously doing something like what whether it's a song like mr harris or i've had it or any number of songs throughout your entire career like what well because they're not you know i mean sometimes they're not you know i mean sometimes the ones that sound like they are you I mean, the, t- the, the, the emotional tone is autobiographical and then you change, you know, you have to change the details to kind of suit the thing. I mean, a song like I've had, it is really trying to tell a story of, I don't even know how successful, like who, how can you impart, like we went to New York and we played the show and it was like this kind of a magical thing. Like it's, first of all, you're writing music about music, which I hate. Nobody could ever do very well. So I don't know if I did it, but you know, I mean, I had this experience and I wanted to write about it, but you know, but mostly it's, mostly it's, you, you do, you start out with a feeling and you connect to that feeling, but sometimes the narrative needs to be changed, you know, sure. needs to be changed but, so that it can impart that what feeling. What made you make the shift? Cause it is like the thing that some novelists do where they make a shift from first person to third person. And so like on the forgotten arm or on other things, you know, um, even a song like freeway, which is like, a uh, the I word is in there, but still, um, Still, it, it sounds like, like a story. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it starts to seem like, yeah, it's not really, a, you know, it's a shift somehow. It seems like you became more observational or more outward looking than, yeah. than you did where you would uh, try to um, uh, create the same emotional resonance, but, but without being as, without even trying to seem as, as much as like you were telling your own stories. Yeah, that's interesting. I don't know. I think, uh, well, some of it is some, you know, sometimes you just get sick of writing about you and your dumb feelings. Yeah. <laughs> Sure. Yeah, me, my feelings. Uh, but, um, but I mean, that was, that song is, uh, yeah, right. It's, it, it's autobiographical, but it's, uh, not, I mean, not perfectly, but it's close. But I mean, it was based on somebody I knew who had moved to Los Angeles and was like a drug addict and had so many druggy addictive issues with money because money sort of equals drugs in a lot of way, but like money, I don't know, like it's, it's a, he was such an addict and had such dysfunctional right. feeling, you know, thinking. And, the, and I mean, the tagline uh, is you, you got it's second person. It's you got a lot of money. Yeah. You can't, yeah. you can't afford the freeway. Yeah, It's like, you can't afford to live here because you're too, it's like, it's like this weird excess of drugs and money and money as a drug. I don't know. Like it was all tied up in the same thing. And when you're, when you were doing that, like, um, how do you, how do you trust like, okay, they're going to get it or it's close enough that they're going to get it. I don't mean they being like yeah. the, like the masses, but like my people, you know, you're, your mm-hmm. people, like, do you feel like you have a group of an audience who will go with you on whatever the, the 
the journey is and who will take the time to try to like really absorb it? Or do you feel like you're starting over each time and that they could walk away? Like how do, yeah. how do you process that? I think I can't think about who's going to listen to the song at all. And sometimes if, sometimes if a song is really personal or really kind of dark or cuts to in a weird area, I have to, or like about somebody I know and I'm afraid they're going to hear it. I mean, sometimes I have to go, look, just finish the song. You don't have to play it for anybody. Uh, so you still do that. Yeah. I love yeah, that. Yeah. You do. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, for sure. So many people are blocked because, you know, you try to, I'm sure people yeah. talked about this, but people talk to me about being like, um, I have this thing, I want to say it and I can like, they, they get blocked because of exactly that. Oh, um, I'm a mean person. If I write this, I'm a bad person. And if I do, it's going to, it's going to have these reverberations. And I mean, yeah. you're smiling because we all feel this and then yeah. you have to find ways to trick yourself. Yeah into doing it. You just can't, you just can't think it. And, uh, and I, you know, and sometimes the block is, oh, this has to be great or the perfection thing is the other side. Yeah. Right? My husband has a big problem with this and I, you know, I, but I have little games that I play to get out, to get out of it, but I'm also not a perfectionist. You know I mean? He's got this thing of like, I'm not going to write a song unless it's a perfect song. And now it's been so long that I've written a song. Now it really has to be perfect. And I'm like, just write a piece of crap, write a one minute song, write 10 minute set the timer, give yourself 10 minutes, write a song. And when that's done, you, it's done. You don't have to play it for anybody. You don't even have to play it for me. Are you like, you don't even have to play it for yeah, me? He won't do it. Or like write a song, you know, I'll, I'll pick a, a thing randomly just from iTunes and go like, okay, this is my meter. This is, and just pick some chords randomly. This is what it's about, or it has to use this line. Just have these deliberate games and uh, prompts. You mean even with prompts? prompts. He mm-hmm. won't, even with prompts, yeah. Michael won't. He won't do it. Do it. He, no, yeah. I mean, he did it one time, but he, he, he did it one time. But yeah, I mean, I mean he's so got. It's like he really too. needs the circumstances. Like, no, I have to have a lot of time off before I can. Uh, okay. Really? You know what? And I you're mean? just like, I just wrote six songs today. I mean, I don't write that many songs. I'm not super pr- prolific, but I'm also, that- I do think like good enough is good enough. And I know when I hit my limit, when it's just not going to get any better. And I could, you know, when you got to go, you got to go, that's, uh, you got to forgive yourself for not being perfect and, and move on. Yeah. You got to like remind yourself of that all the time. Yeah. Because I mean, you said you're not a perfectionist, but but I do have high standards. Yes. I really do. You know, I mean, I'll give, you know, you'll work on a line. Ted will talk about this, but like I, I will give him shit about like phone doesn't rhyme with owns, you know, or like it's got that S that's not a rhyme, you know, like, Oh, come on. It's close. Right. Yeah. You want exact perfect rhymes. Yeah. I want them. I mean, I can't, I don't always achieve them. But you'll work. I mean, how how long will you chase, how long will you chase down a line for? Could you go a week? Yeah. Right. A week yeah, trying to... But that's to, probably it. But that, that's probably it. For a three and a half minute song, that's a long time to be searching for a line. When you could come up with seven, like seven near rhymes or seven rhymes that would be in songs and people would be fine with them. You can feel, you can feel when it's there. You can feel when it's possible. I sort of feel that it's possible. So I keep going because I think it's somewhere oh, really in my brain. There's something that's like, no, it's possible. There's a way. But then when, when that thing says like, dude, you are at the end of the line, because maybe your rhyme scheme is just, you know, I mean, if you, if, if you like the word, you're, if you got orange, then, then you're, uh, you're yeah, at then the end of the line. It's so funny. I'm just thinking about Michael Penn, your husband, because he scored one of um, my movies. That's right. Of course yeah. he did. Yeah. And um, I remember during that process, because, and it's great. I mean, you want a, someone who's a perfectionist yep. to score your film because they will keep going and going and going I and guarantee get it right. he's given it his all. Yeah. And, uh-huh. But it was great because we were going through the process and you know, when you score stuff, so the composer will send you something, you then change the picture. So then they have to change the thing. And then suddenly you realize, you know, you change a scene three scenes before then the scene three later plays entirely different. And so totally. you need the music to peak in a different way. Yeah. And so we're going through this process and Michael's like so great about it. And I'm going, Hey man, can you redo this? Can you redo that? And, and, and it's great. And his score saved our, I love um, the score for, for our, our film. And he ended it. He wrote this amazing piece for the end of it, but we're done. And at that time we were talking like, I mean, I was talking to Michael six times a day because yeah. we're right. And at some point in there, um, as a, as like really a hobby, like I write songs, a hobby. It's like my release from a lot of the stuff that I do. And once I said to Michael, um, hey, I finished this one song and I would really love your take on it. And suddenly, like, this really easygoing, cooperative, 
Yeah, I see this. This really cooperative, easy, great guy, like whatever, just goes. Like it was as though he was like, every time I'd ask him to change something, he'd be like, oh yeah, man, no problem. I'll get it to you. Yeah, easy, whatever. And I go, hey, I wrote this song. And he goes, if you send it to me, you should know that I will be the harshest critic you ever get of that. You know, it was just, please send it, but know if you do. You know, oh you're walking God. into the tower. You're walking into fire. Yeah, you were just walking into. So go ahead and send it. No, I want you to send it. Send the song, but know this. You know, it was great. That is really funny. Did like, you send him the song? No fucking way. <laughs> no fucking way. <laughs> no. I mean, I wasn't going to walk oh into that buzzsaw. Oh, my Not God. Not a chance. Well, here's, my, like, yeah. here's my policy about, yeah, about listening to people's songs. If it's really unredeemable, I go, this is great. And then if it's like, I could turn this into a great song, I'll tear it to pieces. Yes. I'll go like, let's get to work. That's great. Yeah. No, um, I... Like, if, if it's good and I can make it great, I'm going to go... Because I, lo- I do love that. Oh, I love I being, love listening to something going like, I'm going to tell you how to make it great. I love being on the... Um, it was fun to be on the receiving end of that because I... When someone who's sort of a professional, like an actor friend, called me yesterday and he said... Um, and a real working actor, like a on a network television show, and he called and he's like, "I wrote a, I wrote a, a half hour. I've really been working on it. Can I send it to you? I know you're really busy. I know you're in the middle of making your thing." And I said, "I'll read it, and I'll give you just like a read." Yeah. But I gave him a version of Michael's speech, which is what yeah. I do. I said, yeah. "But if you're really doing this because yeah. you really want to know how to make it something that could get made, yeah, I know. Then we might have like a horrible conversation yeah. in a week from now." Because I'm gonna like it, I don't know. You got to do if you want. You want to be a professional, then 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 that. you got it. You set your ego aside and let's get to work. Because your job is to put something great out into the world. And if that's and if that's not your goal, don't do something. Do something else. Yeah, do something else. Beat the shit out of yourself. You I mean, can that's have why a hobby. I, it's great to have hobbies. It's great to have hobbies. But I honestly feel like our goal and our mission is to put something great out into the world. Great as defined by I gave a shit. I did it as much, like I worked on it as much as I could, and I didn't. I didn't let my ego like, oh, would I really like that line, Brian? I don't want to change it just because I can't rhyme it. Right. Boo hoo hoo. Go back to songwriting school. Yeah. Why should I put a bridge in this song? Yeah. But I couldn't. I mean, it wasn't within my. I couldn't. I like. No, I believe I, me. I, I would. I, know. I, I probably would have if I if I could have. But I just. It's. But back then it was like inspiration, and then it runs out, and then I don't have like craftsmanship to to keep going. No, and the craftsmanship is no, no. Look, I wouldn't change. No, the, it's so funny that you say that because to me, that song in particular, is exactly what it's supposed to be. To it's supposed to be under three minutes. Yeah. That is what yeah. you you cap. It's because you know why. You captured them. The song's about, I mean, you just, yeah. I mean, right. It's another, yeah. I mean, it's, mm. you captured this second in time. And so how, how long you need that? How yeah. long, right. How long can you really do that? Yeah. For? And some songs don't want to be, yeah. In order. I mean, it was like, it's kind of really raw on this folk song. Like sometimes the songs don't want to be really crafty and you'd have to keep that in mind too. But when you beat the shit, so the thing is what you want, right. And, um, and what Michael was really saying to me, which is great is like, Look, dude, beat the shit out of yourself before you give it to me. Yeah. Like, actually, right. because the truth is I say, right. I, I like I say now, I, I, like I write songs as a hobby, but the truth of it is I kill myself writing. Like, I write songs right. and I take it I'll listen to unbelievably, it. I'll play I'll something listen to like, but I'm I take gonna be, it. I'm gonna, I just want to tell you beforehand, I'm going to be the hardest. <laughs> good. Well, no, but I work like so hard <laughs> doing it because it's the only way it's actually a release for me. Yeah. Is to have like the hyper, like um, the only way it can take me out of my other life the thing you want doing any kind of art. Like I always try, I'm sure, I, I mean, it's probably, probably part of why you do acting sometimes or why you'll do other things is like, I always find that you really try to do some other art form with everything that you have. Yeah. It somehow benefits not only that thing, but your primary. I agree. Yeah, I agree. You're a primary thing. Why do you do the acting? Just because I, I, I don't, I want to say yes to stuff when people ask me. I mean, that's really it. Like, I'm not... I think acting's really hard. I don't understand how people do it. I think they're, it's magic and amazing when people are really good at it. Ted is really good at it. I'm really envious of it. I, I'll, I'll do it in certain circumstances where I feel like... Especially like comedy stuff, you know, where I would like... I just did a Fred, thing with Fred Armisen. And, I, you know, I'll say like... Sure. Tell me exactly what to do. I will do it exactly. Because my goal is to be funny for you. 
and I will do, there's like no ego. I want it to be funny. I'm not going to generate funny, you know? Uh, so I did, but I mostly, I want to say yes to stuff because it's good to do stuff you can't already do. It's good to, to try to do things that you're not already good at. I think so too. When, when you did Lebowski, did you know that that movie was going to have the cultural significance that not, it had? Not at all. Like when you first saw it? Not at all. I mean, I thought it was like a crazy goofball, you know, uh, Busby Berkeley, you know, fever dream. And it was glorious, but I, I didn't think at all that people would, you know, have you played at a Lebowski fest? Have you done no, it? No, no, no. Have you gone to one? No, I've heard about them. That's how have you not played terrifying. at a Lebowski fest? They have to ask you, they have to really ask you to do it. Now that they know you like saying yes. Um, when you listen to songwriters like uh, Jenny Lewis or Neko Case or any of these people, and, or when you read about people who say, Oh, these people are inspired by, Amy Mann or their music sounds like that or does it make sense to you do you hear your influence in um I don't know who I've who I don't know who I who I don't know who who is who says they're influenced by Jenny you know when I listen to Jenny Lewis I hear a lot of she's a terrific songwriter but when I listen to her music I hear you I hear what you do in a good way not like she's ripping you off but I I don't necessarily hear it but I and I'm not as familiar with her um uh stuff is is uh like i got nico's last record which i just think is fabulous i think she's so such a great writer and so interesting um i don't but i don't you know you don't think of yourself as someone who like was a in any way a, a, a trailblazing i don't figure. i don't know i don't that would be nice to think i mean but you don't, I, I don't think know. about it i don't think about it i don't necessarily hear it but maybe if i hear something i like that i like it because it's got I'm, some of you in yeah. it I'm going to quote Mike, a song of Michael's because it's yeah. the greatest thing. Once you think he likes you, you like the way he thinks. <laughs> sure. 100%. That's pretty much my motto. What, um, what matters to you now other than the work? What else gives you joy? Um, I like my hobbies and recreation. Like what turn, like what matters to you? What matters yeah. to me? I really, In the way songwriting matters to you. I really like the idea of uh, knowing what makes people work and being self-aware and um, very interested in, in uh, brain stuff and 12-step and stuff and all of it. I think it's all useful and... You know, I mean, I guess like it's the quest to be become a better person or more self-aware person or more. You know what I really like lately, last few years, is the idea of becoming a mature person, which is a concept that has completely flown out of the window, I think, for for the last couple of generations. And people don't really have a definition of it. And uh, what's your working definition of it? Well, actually, I mean, because I, I go to 12 step meetings um they're, they have like a checklist for maturity. Well, I can't, I don't have it memorized, but it's like able to take criticism without unduly. And you're like, what? Who? What kind of, <laughs> you know, hears about the successes of others and is yeah. happy for them? Like, no. Who? What kind of, yeah, what? What kind of <laughs> God, yeah. godlike what kind of creature? creature yeah, this... But it's, it's I, I like the idea that there's, that there is, but, you know, there are people who are thinking about, what it means to be mature and striving towards that. And I would like to be one of them. That could so be an Amy Mann song title. What kind of God? Yeah. <laughs> is, just not about a yeah. God, just about someone who can take criticism. Yeah. Or can yeah, handle. Yeah. Uh, God bless them. I mean, when I meet somebody who makes a mistake and then immediately sort of admits it and apologizes, you're like, it is amazing to watch. It's amazing. You're like, well done. That's the way to do it. Not like, well, I'm sorry if I hurt your feelings. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Sorry, I'm sorry you, uh, that, yeah. that you were hurt by what yeah. I did. I guess it's a separate yeah. thing. No. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in a way, it's like just being authentic, like figuring out how to be authentically yeah. what you are. Like there's this quote. That Stepping I, up to the plate. Yeah. I think the Stallonius Monk quote, I heard it from Pendulette, but I think it, he, he credits Monk, which is with saying, um, he credits Monk, who was a crazy person, but with saying the one who's the most uh, the most like uh, his authentic self is the genius. Yeah, that's nice. And I think that that that, that idea, right? Yeah. Of, like actually becoming what you are. Well, I think self awareness is is huge in creativity and huge in in success because, I mean, I'm sure you see this all the time. It's like everybody everybody has that brilliant friend who gets in their own way, 
who complains about how if only this person wasn't doing that and that person would hire them. And you're like, dude, oh wow, my God. I did not know. You could be so huge if only you weren't so so crazy. And I like, didn't know Kevin Sacchio was going to come up on this. <laughs> I didn't know you were going to bring up Kevin. Kevin Sasha. Kevin yeah. Sasha, is that how you say his last Sasha, name? Sasha, yeah. I didn't know Kevin Sasha's name was coming yeah. up. And then, I mean, you didn't, you didn't have to do that. Not yeah, nice. it's it's, and you see how everything. Funniest person on Twitter, by the way. Not enough he's followers. Great. I you know. need to follow Kevin on. He's Twitter. great. He's a lovely guy. Hilarious, you guys. Sometimes he's my boxing buddy. When he lived in L.A., we used to go to the wild card gym together. That's how you became friends. Yeah, yeah, we would box together. You have a great Twitter. When you guys go back and forth, it's highly. It's so dumb. It's like one joke. Yeah, but it's really good. It's really entertaining. So, look, I know you have to go practice for a concert, but, um, you know, after this, all the stuff that that happened and and obviously the happy end of that story is that you did put whatever out and it changed your, it did change your life, right? Yeah. What did I just, because when one goes through something like that and you do stick to your guns and then you are able to find a way to get the thing into the world and then it's received the way that was received at the time. Yeah. What... Like, do you remember what it felt like and what, how, how, like sort of you, the gift that you gave yourself by waiting? I, well, I mean, I was really, I was really glad I did. I was very grateful to, to my, you know, Patrick Rains who had paid for this record and, and working with John. I don't know. It was just so, I, I felt it was such like a wonderful creative thing and playing with John was so great. And I learned so much about music from him and, uh, you know, I think I just felt like everything was, there was a lot of creativity around me and I was really happy to just roll around in it. You know, it was really gratifying. And do you feel like you're still kind of living in the like the long tail of that, that like that enabled you to then have the creative life that you yeah. wanted? Yeah. You know, one, one thing really led to another and, and the other, you know, I mean, obviously I had record company troubles after that, you know, because you're still in that system, but you know, so the other big event in my life was being able to to get off of, uh, you know, when Geffen had moved After to Magnolia Interscope. After to be able to yeah. do your own. To and have... I got off, yeah, and then put out my own records. And, oh, that was the best. Like, that was the greatest time. But, you know, I feel I feel super fortunate. I'm still I'm still making a living and, and playing shows. And I've, you know, I really uh, enjoy playing live way, way more than, than I used to. You know, it's it's become much easier. And I work with great people. And I love working with Ted. He's hilarious. And it's super fun to be on stage with. And... You know, I don't know. Like I, it's I feel like I can kind of do whatever I want. Like honestly, the person who gets most in my way is myself, and that. So I'm convinced of that, and that is like that's what I work on. You know how to? I mean, like playing live. A big part of it was working on. You know, like letting stuff go. You just have to let it go. You make a mistake, let it go, because you can really work yourself up into. You know, I made a mistake. I forgot this thing. I screwed up. The yes. audience is going to know this is going to be the show that starts the downward spiral of my career. You, you can actually one do that to yourself? Oh, completely. Completely. And you're on stage and you're in the middle of a song and you're panicking. Now you're panicking because all you're thinking about is that mistake. And then your panic totally freezes your brain. You make another mistake. And it's just, you know, it's a disaster. So I just go, let it go. It's in the past. Can't change it. Go. Smooth, move on. And so is that why I got to practice it over and over and over, but I've gotten really good at it. So like, it's a lot more fun to play because yeah, you can let them, you don't, because you know, the audience doesn't give a shit. They don't care. They're, they're not, not coming to see you like they're going to come see Jaco Pastorius. Yeah, they don't they, know. They don't notice or, you know, or it's like, I'll stop a song. If I forget a lyric, sure. I'll just stop a song. I don't care. And it just makes do again, it more fun. We bring this back to David Lee Roth. I mean, just yeah. do what he does. Go like, I forgot the fucking words oh my God. and make it a great yeah. thing. That's yeah. So that's, that's part of it. But like, you, you know, just, it's hard though, because you know, in life, it's hard to let stuff go. Something happens, like whether it's, you know, something dumb, like a parking ticket, but I tell you, a parking ticket can ruin your day. Yes. Cause you go, I feel, now I feel targeted by fate. And, uh, I know like you laugh, but like, you must've had that. Don't you have that? Like, what is it that I'm doing? Nothing's going right, man. No, you I'm know, targeted by fate I'm a committed itself. atheist, I don't play that game. Dude, the worst people about blaming fate 
for their, I guess I'm just unlucky. I guess it's just what? how it's going to be. You can't say that, that if you're an atheist. Those, you're not even allowed to say that if you're an atheist. Tell every goddamn atheist I know. That's all he does. Except like, this complain, fucking atheist Complain right about here. fate. Yeah. You can't. Fate itself is against me. Uh, yeah, well, like, I've had atheist, you know atheist friends who um, <laughs> will throw salt over their shoulder. And I'm like, dude. I know. Look what you're doing. You, yeah. you can't have the yeah. one if you don't have the other. Yeah. You, you, it's reason or yeah. no reason as you process it. Yeah. So, um, no, I will never. No, I agree. Like it's all my, you know, it's all my fault, which is why, you know. Or they're out to get me. That guy is out to get me. I don't know. I mean, you can make a terrible narrative out of out of but everything. But you stop yourself now. You got yeah, I do. And but, but what I realize, like, you have to practice it, like everything else. You have to notice you're doing it, and you got to shut it down. You can't roll around in that, you know, like kind of self pity or whatever it is. Yeah, don't roll around in self pity. It's tough, man. It's hard because you because it's hard to know your own habits of thought and then break them. You know, I just read this thing that said uh, when when an event happens in somebody's life that fits into a narrative they already have, you get a little hit of dopamine. Yes. I'm like, oh, my God, that really explains it. Because And if you have a narrative that says, like, I'm victimized by life, I don't have any control over anything, and something fits into that narrative, it's hard to let go. And it's hard to, like, extract you got to dig it out. The it's story really tough. that we, because the story that explains yourself to yourself, especially right. if it's a negative story, has this yeah. tremendous power. It's crazy. But obviously, you've worked hard to break it. You got to work constantly. I really think it's like, it's uh, that's my priority. Like, it's more, you know, because it's the thing that de- derails everything else. Well, listen, I have very few regrets in my life, and I've always regretted that I wasn't able to do a better job of protecting you um, from the music business. It's really been a thing that I've like. Well, buddy, it was out of your hands. No, so no, yeah, you know. but it was still. I made a promise to you, and I couldn't keep it. And I've, I've, it's really always bothered me because there are very few promises I've ever made that I wasn't able to keep. So, well, it's very sweet of and, you to, uh, to care. I, yeah, I do. And um, you know, your music is just look at the risk of. I don't care. People can write whatever they to me. But um, I mean, at the risk of it, you know. Your work has been like so important to me in my life. So thanks for it and keep making Thank records. Thank you. Thank you so much for saying that. No, it's true. People, if you don't know Amy's music, um, what's wrong with you? So <laughs> the last record is The Both, which is Amy Mann and Ted Leo um, as a band. And it's a really fun uh, combination of a whole different bunch of kinds of music with great melodies. And um, every single one of Amy's solo records is filled with gems and uh, go listen to Coming Up Close. And like, if I ever meet you somewhere and it's really late, maybe I'll tell you who that song is about. <laughs> All right, Amy, thank you so much. Thank you. People can find Amy on Twitter. Uh, her, your website is amyman. amyman.com. And your records are available. Sure. Uh, they are. Some of them are. Yeah, they must be. You can find her on Twitter and you can find me on Twitter, uh, Brian Koppelman. If you want to email me, themomentbk at gmail.com. Um, if you send me a script or anything like that, I'm no longer going to send it throw it in the trash. I'm going to send it to Michael Penn to critique. So don't do it. Uh, All right, everybody. See you next week. Thanks for listening.